Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Mongo Santa Maria with Watermelon Man, originally created, you will know, of course, by the man himself, Herbie Hancock. Good morning, it's me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM's Jazz Shapers. Thank you so much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. Alongside their equivalents in the world of business, I'll be talking to someone who's shaping the world of business right now. I'm very pleased to say my business shaper is Alistair Sorday. He's the founder and chairman of Sordays. They are the travel guide people. They've been doing it for over 20 years, way before the web happened. And you're going to be hearing lots from Alistair about travel, about the environment and about passion for what he believes in. Fantastic stuff I know is going to happen right here. In addition to hearing from Alistair, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then there's the music, and we've got some brilliant music today from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul, including Bobby Womack, Chet Baker, and this, some new music from the pianist Lawrence Hobgood. Lawrence Hobgood, a fantastic name and a fantastic pianist, uh, originally pianist with Kurt Elling. That was Give Me the Simple Life. This is Jazz Shapers, as I said earlier, and Alistair Sorday is my business shaper today. For those of you that travel, the indispensable guy that is the Sorday business will be would have been your friend. And for those of you that don't know uh, this business, it is a business that basically talks about wonderful places that you can discover off the beaten track a little bit, um, places with real charm, with with character, and places you won't find if you just look on the obvious places, either online or offline. He's been bringing together the best of UK, France, Spain, Portugal, Ireland, and Italy, and doing a fantastic job of it as well. Alistair, thank you for joining me. It's good to be here. Now, tell me, wh- where did this idea to start your own business happen? Surely you didn't wake up. You don't strike me as a as a man possessed with the desire to build an empire, and yet that's exactly what you've done. I'm, I'm certainly not. It happened by accident. I, I once went to a, a, a festival and was introduced as a man with a genius for market research and spotting an opportunity, which is not true at all. It was completely random. I was running a, a small travel company. We were taking people off the beaten track all over Europe. And had spent many years working in the environmental movement and found myself appalled by by mass tourism, by the sort of garbage that people were expected to enjoy all over Europe. So I've, so when we eventually became a, we became a publishing company sort of by accident, really. Um, I created a job for a friend, which was a book. Let's, let's do a book together. And then I thought we'd just forget about it and carry on doing off-the-beaten-track tours in Europe. And uh, lo and behold, the book just took off. And we'd press the right button somehow. And it wasn't a plan. It was a sort of accident, but it built on years and years of experience, I suppose. 
And actually, the business, I, I said 20 years, it's much longer than that. Actually, it's more like 30 plus, isn't it? Well, it's it? about your 30 plus. That's how you define when it really sort of started yeah. officially. When, when, when in your head was it a business versus something you enjoyed doing? In a way, it's never been a business because I've enjoyed doing it too much. There's no separation between the business side of my life and, and life itself. It really has been one seamless process. But that sounds a bit glib. Um, it only becomes a business when people call me a businessman, and I suppose which always you, makes, wakes me up. And when you don't have to do anything else to earn a living, because this is paying. paying. Well, that, it, luckily it worked. Mm. And in, in back in those back in the twenty year ago time, it was um, before the internet. And if you got the if you got a book right, then it had staying power. And once people started trusting us, they they carried on buying our books, and it was just it was just delightful. And I was doing all the things I loved about travel. I was meeting great people, finding wonderful places, putting them in a book, and saying to the reader, "We love it. We think you're going to love it too." And he, here's the truth about it: it may be a bit grim, in one way. But the people are so fabulous and the place is so fabulous that you should go anyway and take the risk. And people love that. Um, and then eventually it did so well, it did become, I mean, it did become a business. It's tougher now. It's a lot, lot tougher now. That sensibility, though, for it being interested in people and place versus, um, you know, the, the homogenized view of travel. Where did that come from? Was it something in your childhood? Were you, were you, were you well-traveled? I was pretty well-traveled. I mean, in, back in the 50s, I was taken to France by my family for the first time. And we, we went to, well, back in the 50s, there was no mass tourism, so there, and there were no Kentucky Fried Chickens, McDonald's, and Holiday Inn, and Novotel. None of that stuff existed. So everything was, everything had character, because people were involved at every stage. So wherever you went, even if the, the old hatchet-faced landlady in a French B&B was um, largely to be avoided, that in itself was an experience. And now travel is all, it seems to be about removing the risk in every possible way from, from food, from beds, from rooms, from places, from everything. So I think in a way we're about reintroducing just a little bit of risk, but the payoff's fantastic. Stay with me for more from Alistair Sorday, my business shaper. He's the founder and chairman of Sordays, and they are the people that make travel, well, a bit more risky and a bit more fun. Time for some music. This is the Sarah Weller Band with Sugar. Sarah Weller Band with Sugar. Alice Asordo's been talking to me about the wonderful world of travel and risking it up a bit. You don't often hear that, do you? But a little bit of risk is a good thing, especially when you want to bump into new things. And I guess that's what travel is all about. Now, it has been going sort of over, th- over 30 years, Alison, just for some wonderful stats, because um, it's interesting how the written word becomes a, a mass written thing. I mean, a million, you, you can sell a million books. And I believe you did that back in 2007. That was a landmark then. But now we're talking about a website that receives over 3 million visits a year, probably up to three and a half or four. You've got 165,000 subscribers to your monthly newsletter. Um, I mean, all sorts of phenomenal things have happened. And yet at the heart of it, it sounds like you're still on a mission. Is that fair? It is fair. We are. We're, we're doing exactly what we always did with, with the printed guides. And once we start um, 
losing track of what it is that drives us. I think we've had it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of bog standard advice out there. Um, and we, we set out to be different. And if we're dealing with human beings at the other end, hotel owners and B&B owners and farm owners, etc., all over Europe, they, they bring their own personality to our business, if you like. So you've got 5,000 owners of properties all over Europe. Each one is different. And we don't tell them what to do. So they, they might ask us for advice, should I do this? And we say, honestly, do exactly as you like. You can strip off naked and swing from the chandeliers <laughs> at dinner, if you like. People, some people will love it. But they bring their personality to our business. So I think we're sort of guaranteed to be richly full of personality. It sounds like you're curating rather than ordering. Um, you know, I think if you back when I was uh, uh, travelling a lot in my teens and early 20s, it was the rough guide, it was the lonely planet. Um, there wasn't that connection that, that you're describing there. They, they mm. were just reporting on places they'd been to and saying, well, you mm. could do this, you could do that. These relationships you have, as you said, with around 5,000 um, owner members, and I think you've got just under 50 staff and 100 inspectors or so, mm. it sounds like they're given the freedom to do what they do. Utterly, utterly, yeah. So, so how does that work when it isn't going so well? Because we talk about having fun and, and stripping out the kind of the predictability, as it were. Are there times when you have to say, actually, that didn't oh, work? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen very often because we go through quite a long process to bring them in and we've got really to like them to have them in at all. So it takes quite a lot to drop somebody. But um, once we've had a, a few complaints, we will then start... We, working out what's going wrong and in the worst case you'll send an anonymous inspector we had we had a very funny time once a woman was being accused of being completely eccentric so we sent an inspector along who was locked in her bedroom by the woman's husband who prowled around outside and she had to use the waste paper basket as a loo in the um in the evening it was a tin one and we eventually dropped it (laughs) because her husband had gone off the rails and these things do happen couples get divorced um people die we very rarely drop people because they themselves are going down the tube but it does it does happen we keep a very tight eye on it we don't mind people being eccentric in fact we love it um we have had some we do have a lot of extraordinarily eccentric and wonderful people um but yes we do we have to drop people if they give guests a bad time Stay with me for more from my business shaper, Alistair Sorday. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your burgeoning business from our programme partners at Mishcom Dorea. My name's Sharon Tan. I'm a partner in the employment team at Mishcon Dorea. One of the questions that I'm asked by clients most frequently is, how do I deal with somebody who is underperforming? It's a very difficult thing, actually, this, to get right. And it crops up very frequently in practice. And the reason it's difficult to get right is that it's very difficult often for people to acknowledge that they aren't performing. We all find it a very difficult thing to admit, even to ourselves. And, of course, it's very important to make sure that you handle things in a legally compliant manner whenever you are dealing with these issues. But I think it's as important to bear in mind that you are dealing with a human being because, in practical terms, what I have seen is that people are much more likely to sue, litigation is more likely to materialise and unhappiness on all fronts is likely to result if people feel that they haven't been treated fairly, properly and appropriately in the circumstances. So the two really go hand in hand and I think that is critical as a point to bear in mind whenever you are managing somebody who you don't think is coming up to scratch. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. 
You're listening to Jazz Shapers, and every Saturday morning, I'm very lucky because I get the chance to meet somebody shaping the world of business, and they can come from all sorts of different places, whether that's technology or whether that's retail, or in today's case with Alistair Sorday, my business shaper, it is the world of travel. And Alistair, we've been talking about what happens when you have to manage difficult people, and eccentricity is good, but kind of going over the edge is, is, is not so good. Over the years, I'm just looking at the way your business has grown, and you, you didn't mean it to be a business, as you said. Has it ever got really tough? Because it strikes me that you, because of your approach and because it is a passion rather than a business, I imagine it it doesn't stress you out, or am I just being naive? It never has stressed me out, um, because it's always been good fun. And I've, I spent 20 years with with an assistant, a friend called Annie, who was my right hand, and we were incredibly close friends. And she, I think she took a lot of the strain. I think it's much tougher now. My son Toby is running the business, and it's, it's much harder now. The toughness now is because of the huge amount of money invested in other travel guide, travel sites by, for example, Airbnb, Booking.com, etc. And these are $100 million investments, which can drive enormous sophistication in, on the internet. Very hard for us to compete. But people, I think, were, are beginning to understand that these are big centralized businesses and they simply can't do what we do i think we're still unique i hope to, i hope we are in providing this incredibly rewarding contact with real people you mentioned earlier on rough guides and lonely planet they were inspirations to us and they're absolutely wonderful and i loved them i mean yeah. i remember going to indonesia in 1990 and i couldn't we would have not known where to no. go without it absolutely fabulous but uh, the difference is that we, we we don't provide travel advice on on how, uh, how which cafes to go to restaurants sites to see and that sort of thing we depend entirely on the relationship you strike up with the people you're staying with so they will give you their favorite their favourite grotto to explore, museum to see, restaurant to eat in, walk to do. And we think you get much better and more topical and up-to-date advice from people on the ground. I do it myself when I, when I travel. I go and stay with sort of people, and then they guide and shape my days, and it works beautifully. It's these relationships which are at the very core of what we do. Now, what's interesting about relationship, you talk about people, you have a very strong relationship with... Uh, the belief that the planet needs looking after and the belief that the environment is important. And um, I believe you've stood um, uh, as a... Green a Party. Green Party parliamentary, parliamentary candidate, which is fantastic. You've you've done trips with the VSO, big trips. You've led trips and all sorts of things. How have you married up that passion and that belief and the head telling you that it's important that those matters impo- are important and this wonderful business that you've got? It's a bit of an Achilles heel. I mean, you could, you could embarrass me, if you like, by talking about carbon emissions from flying and that sort of thing. Um, people will travel, and I can't, affect, I can't affect that. What I can affect is what they do when they do travel. So we have, we have always tried to encourage people to go by train, to go by bicycle. I mean, it's hard, of course, and we've probably not been very successful, but we keep doing it. Probably the most... There are two ways we do it. One is by selecting owners who themselves are trying to change the world or trying to do their own little thing. So we have an an enormous range of organic producers, people who've gone energy um, independent, people off-grid, people who will only use local food, grow their own food, who are passionate about their community. So we think we're supporting the rural communities wherever we are. So, And that's vitally important. We've had a um, French, elderly French farmers saying they've only been able to stay on their farms thanks to what we've, the people we brought to them. So it's an educational process as well. And the other thing we do is we campaign. 
I mean, I'm endlessly campaigning about the environment. We're doing it all the time. And we weave it into our books and into our website and our newsletters. So we're banging on about the environment all the time. And the latest thing we've done is we just raised £35,000 via our readers and our owners for the Calais refugees to build shelters because we think well, we know we are about shelter ultimately. Stay with me for more from my great business shape today, Alistair Sorday. Time for some more music. This is Bobby Womack with Harry Hippie. Everybody claims that they want the best things out of life. But not everyone, everyone want to fall through the toes and strides. Like this particular fella walks around all day long saying, Shine The relaxing sound of Bobby Womack, slightly different gear for him there, with Harry Hippie. Um, it's a nice name, isn't it, as well? Alistair, um, this this coming together of uh, relationship with planet, relationship with people, you, I think you, I didn't embarrass you because I didn't need to. And I wasn't, indeed, I'm just uh, intrigued because I think that it's very hard to hang on to those passionate beliefs and be pragmatic at the same time. And it sounds like you, you have done the two and you have indeed your campaigning, as you said. As you look at other businesses that aren't necessarily quite as focused on their values i mean do you have a position on that do you kind of look around and get angry you don't look like an angry man either but do you have a view on, do you wish everyone had a, a, a moral compass i do i mean we're, we are pretty interested in ethical business and we have quite strong standards ourselves i mean we, we turn people down if they've we just recently turned down a pretty good candidate to work with us who had worked for years in the tobacco industry i was in spain recently and refused to go and see a hotel which had been funded by the profits from an online gambling website We've turned down sponsorship from countless companies. Um, so we're, we're quite focused on doing things ethically. If it costs us our business, well, so be it. Life's too short to do bad business. So we're constantly on the case. Um, we like to find, we like to work with, with people, with partners who share our values. So we work with, for example, Riverford Organic Farms, um, small companies, Dorset Cereals. You, you, there's a long list of big companies we would never work with and small companies we will work with. And we're very keen on um, employee participation in the business. My long-term plan is to sell most of the company to the employees because we think that's, a, that, that's the right way to run a business. I can't stand the way most business people run their businesses and I cannot stand the way they see their businesses as, as cash cows. They want to build them up, flog them off for as much, much as they can and then walk off. That's not the way you build community and you build... Um, a decent society. Now, uh, talking of decent society, all this stuff, stuff starts at home and Toby, your son, is running the business. So I imagine he has been inculcated over the years with the same set of values. Is that true? Or is he, he's, he's his own man as well, yeah. but he's come from the sordid view of the world, which you just very oh, articulately... Entirely. Think. And he's, he's, as, he's as interested in these things as I am. And he will bring his own perspective, which is actually, I think, much sharper and more dynamic than mine. Um, he's got a very clear understanding of the modern world in a way which I haven't. And he's, he's utterly rooted in the same value system that I am. He's, um, yeah, he recently, he recently turned down people for work because they had the wrong background. And I, I love to see that. Stay with me for my final chat with Alistair Sordo, my business shaper today. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Chet Baker. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
it the hard way and it's easy sailing do it the hard way and it's hard to lose only the soft way has a chance of Always great to hear the greats. That was Chet Baker with Do It The Hard Way. Alistair Sorda has been my business shaper um, and he is just for a few more minutes. We mentioned Toby, your son, um, and you said he's he's got a dynamic, sharper view of it and he's got his own ideas and obviously that's a, it's lovely to hear a father talking about a son like that. You work together though, Alistair. What's the reality? Is there Are there punchy moments? Because I know my relationship with my father is my relationship with my father and it's kind of, it's a pretty normal thing. It has it has its difficulties, um, it's, which, and it's bound to. I think underneath it all, we've got a very powerful bond, which takes us through. Difficulty being that he's having to run an existing company with 50 people and a huge amount of competition, which I didn't have to do. So he has to keep the ship going up against it in a way I never was, uh, whereas I'm still bursting to do new things, bring in new ideas, develop the brand, partly out of partly because it's fun and he simply hasn't quite got the time to do that but we're getting there we've had we've had some very difficult moments it was very tough for him when he when he started he i thought he was waving but actually he was drowning and i possibly didn't pay enough attention but he's enormously talented and got terrific charisma and a very devoted staff and a talented staff so i he's going to pull through he's got a great board as well so i'm very much out of it now I'm, I think I'm a bit of a nuisance, um, but I've still got ideas, and I think eventually I'm, my ideas will, will be able to filter into the company. It's now, those ideas obviously come from a place which says, this is, this is my baby, and I started up, and I'm going to let Toby take the reins on because I trust him. The, the, you talked about competition and Airbnb and other businesses which are heavily invested in very sophisticated ways. The method of producing, of creating brand, of delivering ideas mm. through communications has changed significantly how do you marry the ideas you've got and then the methodologies that you have to use? Are you quite a modern... Do you, do you embrace all this stuff? We embrace it. I mean, Toby embraces it, definitely. And they're right up there, doing the right stuff, doing the right sort of research, bringing in the right people and, and focus very much on web, etc. The difference, I think, what's going to keep us going and enable us to survive in the long term is that people trust us. We have complete brand loyalty. People know that we tell the truth. They know that we're decent. And they know that our recommendations are honest and filled with, with integrity. And that's, that's going to keep us alive for a long time. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing, a trustable brand. Yeah. And we, so we have to be very modern and at the same time very old-fashioned in our commitment to integrity. The future, therefore, of the business, obviously you feel it's safe. You still don't call it a business in the, in the, in the traditional way. How long are you going to personally stay Involved, or do you think it's just one of those things you'll always be involved in because you can't stop thinking about it? I think the latter. I'm, I, I can't stop thinking about it, but I, I hope to be a, a, a good thing rather than a nuisance. But I, I think it's going to do really well. Um, and I think the more focus it has on the things that matter outside the business, such as the environment, the, the future of the planet, um, the well-being of the staff and the happiness of the people who work with us, the better we'll do. So I think our ability to to draw in values and mingle them with the business, I think it's going to give us an enormous strength. I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually, because that was my, my next thought was around the environment. You know, again, new methodologies for campaigning. And yet I think you're right through the business vehicle. You've got a great chance of actually landing it because there's another part to the story. I think so. And, and for me, the biggest issue of our time is without any doubt at all, the survival of the planet, climate change, these things are, I, I am entirely passionate and ragingly angry about. 
And I think as time goes by, people are going to understand that companies that, ought, that acknowledge this, pay attention to it and try to be positively contributory are the ones that they, should, they will support. So I think we're, we're ticking the boxes and we will continue to do so. Listen, thank you so much for being my business show today. It was, uh, it's gone super fast, which is always a, a, is a good thing. And I've really enjoyed listening to what you have to say. Just before I let you go, though, it's music time, Alistair. What's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Well, I'm recommending somebody called John Law, who's a terrific pianist I've just encountered. He's coming to do a gig in our office in June, which is going to be fun. He's classically trained. He's very unusual, has a, has a very interesting take on music. I've, I've got a, um, a track to to be played that I think is going to surprise people. It's got enormous energy and it's highly original. I, I was going to ask you to play um, uh, something from my, by my own son, my second son, who raps under the name Disraeli, but it wouldn't have been entirely appropriate. So we go to John Law and Zero G. Fantastic, here it is. That was Zero G from John Law, the song choice of my business shaper today, Alistair Sorde, a passionate man, someone who has really strong beliefs about the environment, about how travel should be, and he's stuck to his guns. He's built a business on the back of that. Someone who's involved his family in that business, very much sees it less of a business and much more of a pursuit, something that he just absolutely has to do. And someone who's continued to believe that you can balance the profit motive with the community motive. And it's a fantastic lesson for all businesses. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, though, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.